how can we as believers in Jesus have influence in this world if we remove ourselves from it? We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. Those are influencers. And so we, we will never have influence in this world if we are so unrelatable. So unrelatable. Jesus was relatable. And people were flocked to him. And so it's not all about living this list of rules that we believe keeps us from being worldly. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Life Podcast. We are so excited. I'm your co-host, Katie Jones. And I'm the other co-host, or or just the host. Who am I? I'm the other guy. And uh, we're so glad to be here. And my name is Dale Satram. If this is your first time uh, listening to us. So we were here to talk about real stuff, real life, real questions. Try to give you some real answers, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we are getting into the nitty gritty today with this topic. Um, We have the title of how much like the world can a follower of Jesus be? So it leaves a lot of room for debate, a lot of room for some great scriptures that Pastor Dale has been able to put in today that we're so excited to kind of share and hopefully give a little bit of clarity in this marshy topic. Um, But yeah, we're going to be getting into some some stuff it's a fun topic yeah yeah how much like the world can a christian be i, I know some of you out there listening to that and you're instantly kind of getting triggered going well, we're not supposed to be like the world at all and it's like I, I understand that perspective um but we're just gonna really lean into this question because i think it's a question that has existed for a very long time in fact listen the church has been dealing with this question ever since its beginning mm-hmm. how much like the world uh are, are, do we do we look like? Do we act? Um, where are the lines? Mm-hmm. How do we not look like the world? And then and so everybody's got an opinion, right? Absolutely. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. Absolutely. And I want to also bring up. Maybe I'm getting into this too fast, but I think there's quite a contrast between. So let's say somebody's just starting to pick up their Bible. Um, they've been they've been pulled in the direction of like, hey, I want to learn more about this. Um, I kind of want to dive into what this faith uh, in Jesus is all about, right? And they pick up that's their exciting, Bible. That's exciting, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They pick up their Bible, <laughs> and they start reading the Old Testament, and they get to Leviticus or, you know, some— You're just going to go right after, aren't you? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I know. So, and you're starting to read all these old laws, and and some of them are just— sound insane yeah so so what do you say to somebody that's like well why is this in the old testament what are we supposed to be following this today well, uh, and if not why not okay this is why i like katie she just goes with a juggler right for, <laughs> right at the beginning so listen if you're reading leviticus and uh, you're uh, new on your faith journey listen uh i give you high marks for trying to read leviticus you go uh i mean that's amazing i would suggest uh you move on to something else uh, and how about you read the Gospel of John? Uh, uh, that, that's a great book to start with. Leviticus is a tough read mm. because we are separated by 3,500 years of history. Mm. Between, and, when you say 3,500 years of history, you're talking about before Christ. Yeah, so and, you're reading Leviticus. Yeah, so great, great question. Christ, I mean, okay. 3,500 years ago, so before Jesus, 1,500, 1,800 years ago, okay, th- this, this was written. And so it is very, very difficult um, to understand things where we are removed from cultural understanding, 
uh, historical understanding. And so now you're reading the book of Leviticus and you're reading it through your current lens of uh, 2023. And you're going to read that and go, what the heck? Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> what is this all about? Yes. And so, yes. and Christians sometimes like to take a book of Leviticus and they grab a verse out of there and then they use it to beat other Christians up over it. I mean, since you went for the whole juggler thing mm -hmm. here, you know, Katie, I'm noticing on your arm, you have a very, you got some pretty ink on yes. your arm. That is very pretty. You got yep. a nice tattoo there. Yep. And some of you are already going, that's a sin. You know, people get that from the book of Leviticus. Mm. And uh, I know some of you have a conviction that, you know, that, that, you know, Katie here has sinned by inking her body. And uh, again, they take that from the book of Leviticus. There is a historical understanding why the Israelites were forbidden uh, for doing that. And that could be a whole topic that we could talk about here on one of our episodes. But I'm just going to tell you that that is has been used to be incredibly unloving to other Christians. And we're going to look at some scripture that tells us to stop doing that. Mm. And, and so is that really what worldliness is? When the Bible tells us to not be like the world, is that it? Are we just looking at external trappings like tattoos or let's just go for the drinking issue? Yep, that's worldly. If anybody drinks, they're being worldly, really. So let's just keep going. I mean, let's think about, well, do you go to see movies? Do you have a TV? Or do you embrace technology? Do you have an iPhone? Are you on social media? Okay, on and on we could go. Uh, should you not wear brand name clothing? I mean, where are the lines? Because... But see, everybody has different lines. Yep. And, and then we beat each other up. What I'm hearing too, and I'm sure this could be a whole other episode in itself, but what has helped me and my understanding chatting with you is that, so when we look at these laws specifically of Old Testament, there was a difference in um, somebody who was following God, how they needed to separate themselves from the world versus a New Testament after Jesus came and made the ultimate sacrifice. Now it's a new way of separating. What does it look like to be separate, but also be a light in the world? Exactly. Is this, is, this is why accurate? we're trying to follow principles. And this is why the world uh, morphs and changes. And so we have to put these, these principles in a cultural understanding. And so the Israelites were not, fine, let's just talk about this really quick, is that the Israelites in the book of Leviticus were not to be like the, the nations that they were traveling towards. They were going to the promised land. And historically what they, people would do, they would ink their bodies, they would tattoo their bodies, they would sometimes actually use the, uh, the ashes of their ancestors uh, mm -hmm. in that, that process. Uh, they were into ancestor worship, they, were in, they would tattoo the names of their gods on their arms and on their bodies. Okay, so, so if the Israelites started doing that, there was this, this direct correlation to idolatry and, and a lot of pagan rituals. Mm -hmm. And so in that cultural context, God says, I do not want you to do that, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm looking at your ink, okay? Right. I'm sure no that no dead ancestors were yeah. inked in there. I don't see any um, uh, right. a foreign god yeah. that you're worshiping. Okay, yeah. so some of those things have changed. Okay, that's, I, that's a very good, interesting topic. So um, we have to put all of this in a cultural context, a cultural understanding. And so um, as we're going to look at some of this, and we had this discussion, that's what we have to do, mm -hmm. not just be overly simplistic and, and grab a verse and grab it out of context and then use it in some damaging way, which is, listen, if we stop being unloving, if we start being unloving to one another, um, we're all wrong. Mm. And we get all hung up with some of these other issues of, you know, tattooing and drinking. And I mean, I don't know. Yeah. 
I mean, I've got a lot of history of being in the church, and so the wars that we used to fight 30 years ago are different today, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I went through the music wars, you know, where some of you don't even know what that means. I mean, churches fought battles over the worldly music. Drums are worldly. Keyboards are worldly. The only thing that's spiritual was a thing called a hymn. Not a her, a hymn. It's a type of a song. H-Y-M-N. And, that's right. right. And, um, you know, and it has to be played on an organ. And I see, all this stuff is silly. It's all silly. So, so uh, before we do really get into this, when we say worldly, some people might be listening to that and say, because I was told growing up plenty of times by um, influences like that I was very worldly. Um, and it was meant as kind of an insult. So right. when somebody maybe that hasn't heard that term before, what's the if you had to give the gist, it essentially means. Well, I, I think one way to look at that is when a Christian tells another Christian that you're worldly, it's basically you you look and act like the world. Hmm. You don't look and act like Jesus. You look and act like the world, and so you're worldly. You're you uh, you follow. I mean, you could go other places with this, but you you follow the values of the world. You sound like the world. So that's kind of how I've heard it used. Mm -hmm. You may have heard it used differently. You you explained it well, yeah. So I think it's um, good for listeners to know what what are they even talking about? Yeah, what we're talking about. So... um, Thanks for calling me out on any church jargon. Please do that, all right? (laughs) So... So when we get into this, the worldly music, does this mean that you, you know, you just, you choose to follow Jesus and you're, you're, you know, let's just say, I'm just going to speak to the person that's newer in their faith. Um, but obviously anybody can get value from what we're about to say. Do you, do you completely give up your music? I, I love rap music. I love it. It's what I love to listen to when do I'm working really? out. Oh yeah. It gets me. It gets me going. Wow. I'm trying really hard to find um more christian music that is that speaks to me because the typical worship music doesn't do it for me personally uh-huh. so i've been really on a mission to find some good bands that i'm like okay they but that still just something doesn't quite yeah. move me like rap music yeah well okay listen i'll forgive you for that so, but no yeah. i'm just kidding <laughs> so, so does this mean okay do we completely give up all this the worldly stuff you brought up a good point in the beginning movies um there's shows that i love that i can recognize immediately oh like that that's you know i wouldn't want my kids watching that does that mean i shouldn't be watching where's that line that fine line mm-hmm. of finding yeah i know we're supposed to fill ourselves with what's good what's true what's righteous and, mm-hmm. and all the things but yeah where does that fall into place with well with and, culture? and these are the good questions that we need to be asking I mean, they, they really are because, um, again, you're, the whole music thing. Uh, so when a person gives their life to Jesus, are they supposed to never uh, listen to any type of secular music ever again? And yet those of you who may hold that conviction, do you have a TV in your room? Mm. So, but you'll watch secular programs. You'll, you'll, so, I mean, it's really, we got to really be careful to not be legalistic with this stuff because once we start getting legalistic, it's just, we get blind to our hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. So we are living in this world. And so what does it mean to be different? What does it mean to be separate? What does it mean? So what I kind of wanted us to do today is look at some scripture and try to pull out some principles Mm -hmm. and then try to put the principles in a cultural context because that's what we need to do 
not pull out a scripture that was written 35 years ago to the Israelites going into the promised land. 3,500 years ago. What did I say? 35 years ago. Wow, that, yeah, thanks for calling me <laughs> out really on that one too. Yourself. Wow, <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> 3,500 years ago, thank you. Oh my goodness. So, uh, and then taking that out of that, again, mm-hmm. completely out of context. So, yeah. so let's just look at some scriptures here. So I, I have some I'll, I want to share. And, uh, you know, some people, this might be the first time they hear them. Um, for others, they're going to they're gonna know these verses very well. So Romans 12, 2. Uh, it's kind of a classic. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. I mean, that's kind of clear, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't copy the behaviors and customs. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, part of our, the transformation process of us becoming like Jesus does happen as our thinking is changed mm. to be more aligned with him but that's a lifelong process but what does that first phrase mean don't copy the behavior and customs of this world and, and i think that's the difficulty because that's it's a general statement and i think people over the centuries as they've wrestled with that i mean that that's where monasteries came from because mm-hmm. people didn't want to conform to the world and they felt like the only way to do that is to remove themselves completely from the world. Well, that's really not a very good biblical model either. And we're going to look at Jesus's lifestyle here in just a little bit. So would you say this verse in particular, it's safe to say this could look a little different for everybody? Well, I think that's where we're going to go with this. Okay. And I think that's where people are going to have to wrestle with these things individually. They're going to have to put mm-hmm. them into their own cultural context, life context, experience context. So, again, that's a principle. Now, you, you, you notice it didn't give us a list. Now, sometimes the Bible does give us lists of things to do or not do. Sometimes it does. But it doesn't give us a list on everything. And so, you know, if the Bible explicitly says don't do something, then as a follower of Jesus, I feel like I, I shouldn't argue with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> so, so yeah, okay, let's, let, me get, let me just weasel in here a little bit because one of the things on my list, um, I have a lot of things that came to mind and I've listed, but one of them was living together before marriage. And you had told me that the Bible specifically says that is a no-go. Right. So, which is a huge thing. A lot of people do that. Does that well, mean... Right. Does, what does that mean for, for somebody that is living together before they're married and they call, they say they're followers of Jesus still? Right. Everything else is, is in place for them. Right. Qu- I'm qu- for those of you just listening, I'm just putting quotes. You know, right. Everything yeah. else is great mm-hmm. except for this one thing. And she's looking <laughs> at me with a big grin on her face. She's just waiting for me to... <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what what do you... And, you know, um, I, I'm pretty open about this. Me and my husband, we did live together before we were married. And um, as you and I were talking the other day, and you've clearly stated there, there's always going to be consequences when we go sure. against God's way. And um, I completely could even recognize right now having two daughters and and realizing, you know, I'm with my high school sweetheart and that's not everybody's story. You know, people do have, go through heartbreak that live together before marriage. You can go through heartbreak in any kind of that's relationship, right. of course, right. um, even if you, you know, don't live together before marriage. But um, what am I going to be telling my kids when mm-hmm. they say, well, you and dad did it. So I can already right. kind of see the trajectory of like, okay, that is a consequence of that choice. Um, but yeah, so, uh, what do you, how do you handle when you have a fellow person you love that is, uh, absolutely going against something the Bible plainly says? And so we are to be loving, but also speak the truth and love. What does that look like when you, when you think about that? What is that? What's, what advice do you have for somebody? 
Okay, there was a lot there. Oh, I know. I just laid it on uh, thick. You did. <laughs> you did. So, uh, first of all, um, we're commanded to love people. And so, I think uh, people maybe they're listening to this or they have, uh, that's their current situation. And, and I just think we, uh, you need to know, hey, God still loves you. And I don't want anyone to have a spirit of condemnation on them because that just doesn't uh, do anybody any good. And I think sometimes Christians have to be careful to look at somebody, a couple or anybody else, and, and just go, well, that's wrong. You know, you're, you're, going against, you're going against what God explicitly has said. Um, but what Christian hasn't done that in their own life? Well, maybe it's not living together, but have you ever gossiped? Hmm. Have you ever, you know, Bible says don't do it. Mm-hmm. Have have you again? You you slandered someone. Have you said something out of anger? We've all done something the Bible told us not to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So before we all get up on our high horse and get all self righteous, mm-hmm. um, pump the brakes a little bit and realize that um, God's still working in people's lives and in their journey. So you know, part of this today is is. Um, before we started recording, I, I made some comment about we all need to calm down. And of course, Katie looked at me and says, people really love to hear that, Pastor Dale. <laughs> but we kind of do. Mm. We, we just, we need to calm down a little bit. And I think our, our self-righteousness is so hardwired into us. We, it's a prideful thing. And we love to hold our righteousness over the top of other people. We are all broken trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. Throwing stones at each other is not going to help. So, God still loves you, and we still love you. Mm-hmm. So, now, now that we set that baseline, right? Um, somebody is in that situation. So, when God tells us to do something or not do something, there's something that we all have to wrestle through in our spiritual journey. You have to eventually come to a decision. Does God really know best? I mean, and, and that's not an easy uh, journey. It's, it's just not. Does God really know best? Because he tells us to do and, and not do certain things. And you look at that and you're going, man, I don't get it. What's the big deal? I mean, what is the big deal? And, and so um, so when we operate outside of those parameters, um, what does that mean? And I think sometimes people look at God as, uh, and he's presented this way by a lot of Christians, he's angry and he's going to punish you. He's he will punish you. And I think sometimes, I don't like to use the word punishment. I, I like to use the whole, you reap what you sow. Like you brought up that mm-hmm. phrase. There's a principle in God's word in Galatians 6. It says you can't mock God. We all reap what we sow. In other words, you harvest what you plant. I think, well, what's the, what's the phrase that people use? What goes around comes around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's... <laughs> We've all heard that. It's, it's okay. It's, that's kind of in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You reap what you sow. So it's not like God is you know, purposely punishing you where he's throwing down punishments upon you. He says, this is the way I've created my world to work. If you want the most out of this life, because Jesus said, I've come to give you to life to the full. That's what he said. I mean, that's awesome. I've, I'll, I'll give you life in its fullest measure. If you want to experience life in its fullest measure, I will show you how to do that. And so 
God's Word says, listen, here are the parameters to experience life in its fullest measure. If you operate inside those parameters, there is blessing. Not perfection, not perfect, not hard times, you know, are still going to happen. But in a broken world, this is the best way for humanity to experience the life I have given them. If we choose to operate outside of those parameters in any area, I don't care what it is, what we experience are consequences. We reap what we sow. You you operate inside of those parameters, you reap what you sow. And so what do you get? You get blessing. You operate outside of that, you have consequences. What are the consequences? They're unique to every person. It's not like God's throwing down lightning bolts on you. It's just mm-hmm. a fact. You operate outside of that. You're you're going to show some consequences that you wouldn't have if you would have operated inside. That doesn't make God mean. Doesn't make him vengeful. Mm-hmm. It's just God says, "Hey, human beings, I love you. I set up the world to operate this way. If y'all work inside of those parameters, life can be pretty good. Mm-hmm. If you operate outside of those parameters, well, it might suck once in a while. Okay? Because yeah. there's going to be consequences. I'm just telling you, it works like that for believers and unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And we were, as we were talking earlier, I brought up to Pastor Dale, you know, it's almost like I, I, there's a reason that my relationship with God has gotten stronger since having children. Um, and not that that has to be your story. You can have a great relationship with God with or without children, of course, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, I was just telling him, my little guy right now thinks I'm trying to murder him when I'm just wiping his nose. <laughs> he fights, what are you doing? Yeah, he fights for life. He is yeah. screaming. You're so unloving. And he just, I'm like, do you not... Do you not feel the difference from when you have those boogers out of your nose than when they're just mm-hmm. blocking your breathing? And it's almost like that with uh-huh. with us with our because there's gonna be certain things that may always be out of our understanding. And when you said that earlier, that was very freeing because um, I think sometimes we feel like, oh, I, I want, I, and I understand you want to have a good understanding, and there's a lot of answers for a lot of questions. But there's some things that maybe we won't ever fully grasp, but we yeah. we have trust because right. of other areas where we know following God has really benefited. Right. Um, and, well, so. we're, and we're not going to always understand. There's some things in God's Word that are hard to understand, mm-hmm. and maybe even hard to understand the whys, um, even at certain seasons of our life. Okay, as a high school student, there was a lot of stuff in God's Word. God got a hold of my life, and you know, I'm I'm looking at a lot of these principles in God's Word, and I'm going, is this worth it? Because I see a lot of my friends right now having a lot of fun, mm. doing the wrong stuff. <laughs> and and you know, by the way. Don't be that Christian that tells your kids or somebody else that that doing the wrong thing, you know, won't be fun. Or that's just, I love y'all, but that's just stupid. I mean, if if every time you uh, you touch a hot stove, you get burned. But sin's not like that. Sometimes it's delayed burn. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, that's why people keep sinning. It's because mm-hmm. it's the consequences aren't always immediate. Right. And, and so that's a great point. Anyway, so we, we don't always understand. Again, your illustration of the your your, your little guy there, you know, and your mm-hmm. is is perfect because the you know you're separated by 28 years, and there's no way for your little your little baby to understand your reasons, your motivation. But we're we're separated from God by an infinite distance, and there are there's just no way we're going to fully understand why God set things up the way he did. He's explained certain things to us in his word, and but he's an infinite God. And we're broken and we're fallen and we're finite. And, and so it goes back to this, does God really know best? 
you really got you you really have to settle this issue in your spiritual journey because otherwise you're going to wrestle with this for the rest of your life. You're going to keep feeling like the baby who's getting the nose wiped. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be kicking and screaming and snorting back to God all the time. Yeah. Instead of going, okay, you know what's best. I'm going to let you wipe my nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, oh my goodness. So, oh, no, this is so good. I want to definitely hear these scriptures that you have laid out. Um, and I and the, the last question I had based on what we were just talking about, too, is... So what you bring up is that we're not always going to have the understanding, but sometimes we are going to know exactly this is what God says. So are we being open to learning what is hindering us? Because you brought up before, it's always going to be personal. Um, So how do you suggest somebody learns how to be open to, to changing their ways? Like, where does that start? So let me understand the question, though. Yeah. Uh, coming up with what's right and wrong for them, changing yes. their ways. Yes. Um, you did an illustration the other day of a line. Yeah. And so knowing you, you personally what the line is for you and making sure to stay away from it. You, you'll explain it a lot better than me. But True. Um, so... As we understand some of these scriptures that I'm going to read, we're going to find that there's a lot of freedom for Christians to come up with their own convictions, their own lines of what is right and wrong. And so, uh, and and they're going to be they're going to be different uh, for different people. Why are they going to be different? Because you have to apply it in culture. You have to apply it in your own experience. You have to apply it in your own brokenness. And so for some people, let's say drinking is going to be something that they really need to stay away from because um, they've got history. Uh, they may have addictive tendencies. They, they have it in their family, their family history. They have it exposed to it. I mean, it's just like, oh, my gosh. And so instead of uh, crossing that line or coming up real close to the line, they stay way back from the line. And so... Uh, I have to get specific. So if I'm, I'm, you know, upsetting anybody out there, listen, that's not the point here. But so some guy could uh, stop with his buddies after work and Mm -hmm. uh, go into a bar. They all would get a drink. He wouldn't. Now, I know some of you are already going, no, Christians never go into a bar. Okay, I get it. But that might be your conviction. Because is is there a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not go to a bar? No. There's not. And and so, uh, you know, now somebody don't go use that as an excuse to go to a bar because Pastor Dill said so. That's not what I said. <laughs> All right. But I want to show you from the Word of God that um, we have some freedom here. Let me just briefly read a couple of the verses here. Another classic passage here is 1 John 2. Don't love the world. Now, listen, if we love the world, we'll conform to it. These verses go together. Don't love the world or the things it offers you. For when the when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. So this is really it has to do with what's the priority of our life? Am I, am I a follower of Jesus? Am I loving God? Or do I love what this world offers? And it goes on and says, The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements. And so basically the world only has three things to offer. Every temptation, every offering, every thing that the world is trying to draw you away from Jesus it's it's basically going to be in one of three categories it will be pleasure it will be possessions or it will elevate your pride 
It's just three P's, easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Pleasure, possessions, and pride. And, and so it falls under one of those categories. And so the Bible says, listen, um, part of not being conformed to the world is, is don't, you don't love these things. Don't let them be attached to your heart. And, and so that gives us a, 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 some good advice. Mm-hmm. We need to be checking our hearts as we're making these decisions about um, where the lines are, what I am involved in, what I don't get involved in. But I also want to use the example of Jesus. Because, again, how are we supposed to pattern our life? Our lives are supposed to look like Jesus. And and so I love reading the Gospels because what did Jesus do? Did Jesus avoid the world? I mean, Jesus was not worldly, but did Jesus avoid the world? And when you look at his lifestyle, he was criticized by the religious people for hanging out with worldly people. And so here's a great verse, Matthew 11, 19. He said, and he's talking to the religious leaders because they're condemning him for hanging out with, with worldly people. He says, the son of man, on the other hand, he feasts and he drinks. And you say, look, he's a glutton. He's a drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and, and other sinners. Well, thank the Lord for that. Okay. <laughs> he, see who he's hanging out with? He's, then he goes on and says, but wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Whoa. What did he mean by that? Look at the results. Jesus had massive influence. People followed Jesus because he was in their environment. He loved them in their environment. He didn't become part of the environment, but he was in it. He loved them in it. He loved them regardless. He loved the prostitutes, the tax collectors. He he loved the, the people that were rejected. How can we as believers in Jesus have influence in this world if we remove ourselves from it. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. Those are influencers. And so we we will never have influence in this world if we are so unrelatable. Mm. So unrelatable. Jesus was relatable. And people were flocked to him. And so it's not all about living this list of rules that we believe keeps us from being worldly. I need to be in this world and I need to have influence in this world. And all of a sudden, again, if I'm, if I'm so, I keep using the word unrelatable, but, but when you start talking to people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, how do you relate with them? You can talk to them about church. Mm-hmm. You can talk to them about your Bible study. Right. You can talk to them about your prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. You, well, I mean, what? Yeah. I usually yeah, start with point. common ground, you know, and it could mm-hmm. be, you know, the outdoors. It could be the fishing. It could be the hunting. It could, it could be, you know, something. I don't know. Um, here's another principle. I, I want to read. These are these are some a uh, little bit longer. For those of you that want to read a little bit more on this, you can read Romans 14. Just go read the whole chapter. Because the Apostle Paul is dealing with this. So I want you to understand that the early church has always dealt with this issue. It's, it's been going on since the early church. So it's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's been going on for 2,000 years. So what we need to do is take the principles of the Word of God and try to put them in our context. So I'm just going to read a few passages out of Romans 14. Romans 14.1. Look, he says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Hmm. Now, first of all, we have to start. We have to stop arguing with each other. This, this, this is so unproductive. It shuts down good communication. Some of you may not like what I'm going to say next, but listen, those of you, 
when you read this passage and other passages, you find out that those people who have to live by a list of rules are the immature ones. Mm. All right. Someone's mad at me right now. So still love you. Okay. Love me too. Well, I'm going to keep reading here in Romans 14, a few verses down, verse 12. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. We're all going to stand up for Jesus someday. Let, so let's stop condemning each other. See, let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. So we're going to live out of love. I don't want to make you stumble. I don't want to make you fall. If I know you have an issue in a certain area that I think I have freedom in, I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to get you to embrace my convictions. I'm not going to try to change your attitude. I'm going to respect you. I'm not going to flaunt it in front of you. I mean, that's what this is telling us to do. Mm-hmm. A few verses later, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Hey, there is a principle right there. Mm-hmm. Keep it between you and God. Uh, blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they decided was right. So you may decide it's wrong. I decide it's right. And look, the word of God gives us the freedom to do that. Isn't that something? We don't have to condemn each other. We don't have to criticize each other. We don't have to beat each other up. This is beautiful. But if you have doubts about whether or not, in here he says if you should eat something. So let me put it in context. This whole Romans 14 passage is meat that was sacrificed to idols. And so they would go, the Christians would go and they would go to the market and they would buy meat. But a lot of that meat first went into a, uh, one of the local idols, I mean, one of the, the temples there for an idol, mm-hmm. and it was offered to that god first, and then later it was brought out into the market, and then they would sell it and make money on it. Mm-hmm. Some of the Christians, just they just they left idolatry, and they could not wrap their minds around that, and so they could not eat that meat because it, it caused great <laughs> emotional mm. disturbance in them. They mm. just, just couldn't do it. Other Christians said, what's the big deal? There's no such thing as an idol anyway. I serve Jesus. I have freedom to eat that meat. Mm. Cultural okay. issue. It's fascinating. It is. And so here's I've what... I've never uh, heard this verse before. Oh, well, oh. see, this is... Not this, Romans yet. This reading, is some so. good stuff. And these are principles for Christians to apply today. So... He says, uh, you're not sinning if you go ahead and do it. But then he goes on and says, for, for you are, but if you do eat it, and that's not your conviction, he, he says, uh, it's sin because you're not following your conviction. If you hmm. do anything you believe is not right, that's, that's sinning. That, that, so, is, that so, is a wide interpretation. It, it is, but, but, but that, the context is not, not causing somebody else to stumble. So listen, um, if, if all of a sudden I put, Okay, I, I, maybe I, I feel the freedom. It's not a sin for me to have a tattoo. And I go out and get inked up and, you know, and, and it's, uh, you, you know, you, th- you think it's great and it's, it's, you enjoy doing that. And your conviction is it's not sinful and yet you want somebody else to do it too. But they just don't feel comfortable doing that. And you put so much pressure on them mm-hmm. that they go out and then get a tattoo. It would be sin for them and not for you. Mm-hmm. That's what that passage says. Somebody thinks they shouldn't drink, and yet you or I think it's okay to drink, and yet I put pressure on them to drink, and then they go and drink, and now they feel guilty. Well, I've just mm. been a stumbling block to them. That's not loving. That's not okay. Right. So that, that's what Paul's trying to address here. Keep that conviction between mm. you and God and love each other. Okay. 
So my question for this, and again, you know, I love to play devil's advocate here. (laughs) So what are we, so, okay, so what are we saying if somebody is following um, some sort of a lifestyle that that you very clearly know in the Bible says is not okay, and they are backing it up by saying, well, I don't feel guilty do it it's not it doesn't it's um it's something i have decided is right (laughs) (laughs) so what do you well i mean do so again see i'm asking these questions i am not that person that puts that much um stake into other people's lives personally i know people that do so i i kind of like have an insight to how other people maybe are thinking and i agree they're great questions they're they're great questions Uh, my response to somebody who who would respond back to me like that would uh, really be based on the level of relationship I have with them. Hmm. So the, uh, the deeper the relationship, the greater the influence um, would uh, influence my answer. Hmm. If there is somebody that I don't have a, a, a very close relationship with, that means I don't have a lot of influence. See, relationships equal influence. Right. Relationship okay. equals influence. Not the right answer. Mm-hmm. Not content, not making somebody feel guilty. I mean, uh, so if it is somebody that is uh, very close to me, I just want to have a conversation, but not condemning. Mm-hmm. You see, because once you lose influence with somebody, um, or uh, excuse me, once you lose relationship with somebody, you have no influence. Mm. So why would I want to do anything, really in any context, to give an answer? that I'm gonna lose relationship with this person. I'm gonna build walls, I'm gonna build barriers because what I wanna do is, is to have open dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we go too quick to the answers. Once again, we go too quick to the binary way of thinking, right and wrong. And so this person looks at me and says, well, I just think it's right. I know the Bible says it's wrong and I just think it's right. I might say, you know, of course, you know, I, I'm a pastor. I kind of know the Bible a little bit. <laughs> and instead of throwing Bible verses at him, I would go, okay, well, that's interesting. So talk to me about how you got, you came to that conclusion. Tell me your story. How, what, just tell me the journey of how you got there. Talk to me about it. I mean, isn't that a better way to respond to people? You're trying to understand. I and mean, again, the Bible says understanding is a fountain of life. Mm. People have convictions, even if we, we, as a follower of Jesus, know their wrong convictions. Even if God knows their wrong convictions, they still got there somehow. There was a journey. Understand the journey. Understand where they're coming from. Understand their heart. Understand their thinking. Understand their pain. Isn't that what Jesus did? He, he spoke into people's lives because he understood them. We're just so quick to go to the content. You know the content. You're, you're comfortable with the content. You believe the content, so relax. Oh, there I said it again. Sorry. Relax. <laughs> Because God is the one who changes people's lives. Right. And in a way, we have to stop coming across as if we're trying to control people. And I think that's, I think that's how unchurched people look at it. You're trying to control me. Well, who likes to be controlled? Nobody. Yeah, well, not the two of us yeah, sitting here. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, So, So I, I think when somebody responds to me with, with questions, mm-hmm. trying to understand, all of a sudden my defenses go down. Right. I mean, when somebody says that, well, I just think it's right. It's like they're ready for a fight. Mm-hmm. Diffuse it. Don't fight back. You Remember, you don't have to defend God. Mm-hmm. He can handle it. Ask mm-hmm. questions. 
So another thing I'm hearing is um, that's a little counter counter to what the culture is right now. You're saying we can still disagree on something and love each other at the same time? Oh, I sure wish we could what? move in that direction. Yes. And just because you don't agree with somebody's lifestyle or you know that you are convicted that that is wrong, it's in the Bible, it's plain, they don't need to feel um, that you don't love them just because that you're not agreeing with their lifestyle? Is that what you're also saying? Well, what, what did Jesus do? Mm. How did Jesus live? I mean, can we just go back to the book? I mean, can we just go back and hold ourselves accountable to what God's word says? I mean, it seems like we're so eager to hold somebody else accountable to what God's word word mm-hmm. says. Are we holding ourselves? Do we hold ourselves to it? Mm-hmm. And, and, you and so, who haven't sinned, throw the first stone, right? Well, I think sometimes we forget how how deep our own brokenness is. I understand that when we have family members that are traveling away from Jesus, it hurts our hearts, and, and there's brokenness and. And we worry about their future, and I, I get all that. But we have to rein in those emotions and ask ourselves, you know, what is the loving thing to do? What would Jesus do? How did Jesus act? I mean, open up the Gospels. Read how Jesus dealt with broken people. Read how Jesus dealt with people that, I mean, who did Jesus get angry at? Who were the people <laughs> that Jesus condemned? I'll use that word. He did. And, and they were the religious people. We need to be careful that we're not acting like that in our self-righteousness. So I just I think sometimes we just need to look in the mirror first and, and see our own brokenness. And I think we'll have more compassion for people's journeys. People are in a journey just because they're in a rough spot, maybe even rejecting God or rejecting his word. How do you need to represent Jesus to them? What's the best way for you to represent Jesus? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And and so stop thinking that if you love someone, you're condoning behavior. I, Jesus loved people. He didn't condone their behavior. So what's another word besides relax? Yeah. <laughs> Chill <laughs> out. Chill? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great, I, I think that's a great way to, to end this episode. And like we said, we don't, there's so many other things that this might have sparked for you listening. Um, because, and as you said earlier, you said, what a silly question. How worldly can a Christian be? <laughs> what can we get away with? But I was explaining to Pastor Dale that <laughs> I think it's not, it maybe isn't coming from an immature place. It's coming from a, um, a desire to, to really follow in a, in a good way and have good impact, but also um almost permission to to i i love the permission in the that last verse that you um mm. you shared yeah. the romans 14 yeah. um i think it, it does the bible does leave room for interpretation in quite a few areas that i think people get stuck in black and white in right and, so, and usually we get stuck with the application mm-hmm. you know the bible speaks plainly on on, on a lot of things mm-hmm. but it doesn't speak on everything and so you have to take principles and put them in context. And then we just have to be careful that we don't make additional rules, scripture, mm-hmm. you know, and start throwing them around like they came directly from God when they really just came from us. Mm-hmm. And they came from our biases. Or they came from our past pain, our past journey. And we're no different than the people that Paul's writing to. You know, for some, 
eating that meat sacrifice to idols was a major stumbling block to them. And that might have pulled them back into idolatry. So they needed to stay far away from it as possible. Other Christians didn't bother them at all. No big deal. I can eat that meat and I can enjoy that steak. And I don't think about that false god at all. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of application in this world that we can we can take that principle and apply it to. Hmm. And then and then what does love look like? I mean, what how how do we live this life of love in this fallen world in, in all these complex situations? And I think too, let's embrace the fact that following Jesus in this life is complex, it is complicated, and it is messy. So please stop trying to make it not that way because there's a lot of us out here who know it's that way and then if you get all black and white and rigid um, and, and binary in your thinking it, you're pushing people away you're losing influence and, and quite frankly you're not representing jesus accurately in this world jesus knows it's messy it is messy Let's embrace the mess. Let's have dialogue. Let's talk. Let's love each other. Let's let's help each other on the journey. And just because somebody's on a different place on the journey, maybe doing something that, that it would be sin for you, maybe it's sin because the Bible says it's sin, mm. how can you influence? Yep. Be an influence. Uh, love people. Uh, people. People are changed because they're loved and they're accepted as a person. So I can accept, love and accept somebody as a person while not loving and accepting what they do. And, and for the, bless you, by the way. Thank you. And, and so <laughs> every parent out there understands how to do this. Mm. Again, back to the parent analogy. Mm -hmm. I love you, okay? I didn't love what you just did. Mm -hmm. But I love you. That's what changes people's lives. Don't lose right. that. So right. you have a family member that you're really disagreeing with right now and how they're living and what they're doing, please, please don't condemn them as a person love them you can love them back yep you can love them back to jesus love them back to the kingdom you you can do this don't don't lose that influence hmm. all right yeah and with that too if if this sparked any questions for you if you were like i really want to hear more about this or i have this specific situation i would love to get maybe some uh, biblical feedback on um, then please send us your questions or your thoughts at reallifepodcast at foothillsonline.com. And if you loved the episode like we know you did, then you can give us a five How could you not love this? This oh, is just fun to talk right, about. Right, right. And, and if you didn't love it, then you can lovingly give us a five-star review still. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, that'll help us get the word out. Share with a friend. Sure. And, um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, we, we really would. Maybe there's just a real specific question about what about this issue or what about this mm -hmm. topic and and uh, send them our way and maybe we'll just dedicate a, a, a whole sh a program yeah, that's uh, what we made episode it for. to this. Yeah. yeah, real. it's real life. Yes. And it is messy, and that's why we're talking about these things. And even if you are listening to this and you disagree with some of the things we say, hey, we still love you, you still love us, it's okay. We're all on a journey, and um, yeah. hopefully we can just keep learning as we go. Absolutely. So thanks for listening this far, and we will look forward to speaking with you next week. All right. Thanks. All right.